everybody. Welcome to the Soul Food Priest with Father Ben. It's great to have you. And I'm here with Sylvia Vega and Kira Roddy. How are you guys doing? Doing all right. Yeah, Thank praise God. Good. Praise yeah. God. Thank How you. are you? I'm good. Thanks be to God. We are, um, as we kind of move forward, I was thinking, I was thinking as I got up and got had my coffee, and uh, this morning I had chai latte, which is kind of a, a welcome break from my coffee. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking, um, as I was sitting there drinking it, uh, about two years ago, I was meeting with a couple, and they were drinking chai latte. So as I'm drinking my chai latte, I was thinking about this couple, and I thought, man, I wonder how they're doing. And as I'm smelling this nice, like the cardamom spice in there and stuff, I thought, I wonder how they're doing. So, so a little prayer for this couple. And, um, but it got me kind of my, my juices thinking here about the dating process mm-hmm. that, uh, that often happens for couples and, or, or even before they're a couple. Like, how, do, how does this happen that, that I open my life to this person and do I even want to date because it's risky and I'm putting myself out there, but I know I'm kind of lonely and I want to meet somebody and what is God calling me to and should I be a parent and um, or should I just sit at home and watch Netflix and eat bonbons and Whoppers all day? <laughs> I mean, and so we're kind of going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And um, have you guys ever heard of uh, a guy named Marcus Apicius? No. Okay. Okay. Every time you ask us, have you ever heard of... <laughs> I know the answer is going to be no. Just no. I mean, I'm like, I'm like, 90% of the, the time, time. it's yeah. no. And then then Maybe. I feel so smart when I do. Yeah. Okay. But, <laughs> but then please he keep asking reminds us. you of like 20 other times that, nope, I don't know this. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you for enlightening I'm us and sorry. making us smarter. Okay. No, no, no. Mia culpa. Well, he, I, I'm a big dork because I get into the stuff. So <laughs> he wrote the very first cookbook. Mm, of course, oh. I would okay. not in know the that. first he lived yeah, in the first century in Rome at the same time of Saint Saint Peter and Saint Paul. Look at that. And the first cookbook that we have was written by Marcus Apicius, and um, it's really funny because at the time he was kind of considered this total glutton because he loved food and wine. He was obsessed with it, uh-huh. and he wrote down all these recipes. Mm-hmm. And um, and one of the reasons he did that was because he was trying to woo the ladies. And so in other words, like food yeah. kind of led him to dating and dating kind of led him to food. Mm-hmm. And so, I see that. yeah. And according totally. to mm-hmm. tradition, he, I guess he kind of went over the edge and <laughs> had a little too much. Right. And so, but it, it does. I, w- I was thinking Marcus Apicius when, if I'm talking to a young man and he says, hey, you know, father, like if I take the lady out, do I like pull out the chair and do I actually have to pay the bill? Uh. And I'm like, Dude, I can't believe you just asked that question. Mm-hmm. Yes and yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do not give the bill to the lady. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but yeah, not that here I am lecturing two people that have been married for a long time. <laughs> like you tell me, what is, how, the, how did the dating thing go? Well, um, I was just talking to my kids about dating. Um, yes, no, Friday. Uh, on our way home, um, of course, my kids are only almost 13, almost 11. So this is way too early. But the reason why we t- started talking about it is because they're like, so you've never really told us about the first time you ever met dad. And how did that go? And I was like, well, I'll tell you the whole story later. Just know that Jesus was a big 
big mm. buddy of your dad's. Mm. Like, why? He's like, well, he met your grandfather through Jesus, and he became friends with your your grandfather, and then your grandfather wanted your mom to start dating this horrible guy. Mm. So then he said, hey, 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 you should see this other guy. Oh, He's amazing. So um, obviously, Mundo is a lot older than I, and he's nine years older than me. So I was only 17, and he was 26. Wow. So it was very weird, (laughs) very, very, very weird. But may I say that he was such a gentleman. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when you go by the book, by the book, I mean, the chair, paying for food, every single time he saw me, it was either at least a rose or a bouquet of roses. So it was a courtship. And he asked for my parents for permission Mm -hmm. to date me. And when we kind of broke up in the midst before we got engaged, he went and talked to my parents and said, thank you for letting me date your daughter. Mm. But, you know, we're broken up. So it was, yeah, it was weird for the 2000s area. Mm. um, I mean, era. Um, But I am so happy to say that it definitely made me fall in love with him Mm. because he was so much older. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was going to work out. But him being a gentleman mm-hmm. is what attracted me to him. His chivalry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is so awesome. And he's still that way. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Still that way. I mean, a man of, de- of immense that respect. That man can cook, too. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's his love language, man. Yep. He stopped singing songs, but now he cooks dinners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really incredible, the dating process, because it's kind of scary, too. Did you guys kind of go through some... Some of that kind of dance back and forth and. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm like thinking we were more friends, you know, mm-hmm. before. And so, uh, yeah, with, with Derek's story, my husband's story, it's, you know, he was kind of frat boy. I mean, I was in a sorority, um, but I wasn't really living up the sorority life quite like he was living up the frat life. Mm-hmm. And uh, he would probably confess now that he was agnostic at that time mm-hmm. too. So. Ours was a, you know, we had some classes together, um, but he's like, praise God, we didn't start dating freshman year of college when we first met, because that's where we met, um, because he's like, she wouldn't have, I wouldn't have stuck around much to deal yeah. with his shenanigans, and I probably wouldn't have. <laughs> yeah. um, so it was about, <clears throat> about junior year, I was kind of going through a bit of a crisis. I was like, kind of trying to figure out what, I'm, what major am I going to go into? And yeah. I'm changing it my last year. And I got to get done with this in four years. And so the pressure was on. And I was stressing. And I was, uh, I was thinking about going into history. And a friend of mine was like, oh, you need to talk to Derek. He's a history major. And I'm like, I have not seen him. Well, the next day I ran into no way. him on campus. Wow. So I was like, thank you, Lord. You know, <laughs> now I know what I'm going to major in. <laughs> and then that next semester, we had two classes together. And so it was about that time that we, we became friends. And then I had a crush on him, and he didn't know, and he was totally clueless. But, <laughs> um, but it took his friend being like, dude, what is wrong with you? Like, <laughs> date her. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so then he was <laughs> like, Love oh. that friend. Yeah. So, um, you know, so yeah. So ours was, ours was a friendship that gradually mm-hmm. transformed into a relationship um and and yeah i mean and i would say we wouldn't we didn't really have like a proper courtship which is you know um 
but it's still so there were some ups and downs and him figuring out we were both Mm -hmm. kind of at this stage of figuring out life and what are we gonna what are our careers gonna be and what's our future like and then his big big thing was all right this girl's catholic and what does that mean for me Mm -hmm. if i want to be serious with her so there were there's a whole lot Mm -hmm. going on in that whole dating process that i'm like so you were a big part of his conversion uh yeah. yeah i um i had gotten tired of calling him many sunday mornings <laughs> asking him if he had gone to church and he said no that he had had his prayer service in his room which meant he was asleep in bed and maybe said good morning god <laughs> and uh-huh. i was like mm-mm, this is not the man i'm gonna marry like you're gonna yeah. be a man of god like mm-mm. and uh so awesome. yeah in a kitchen one one evening i just and i'm not a bold person and i'm not a confrontational kind of yeah. person but i just said is it does it bother you that i'm catholic i'm not going to budge I'm not going to do a compromise and yeah. this is important to me and that you know yeah. just that's really fantastic I love, that. I love it so love it yeah, yeah and sometimes it, you have to be bold look at yeah. y'all now mm-hmm. i mean it's I know, really and then he took off further than me and <laughs> <laughs> It is, it is really, it's really amazing. Even St. Paul talks about this relationship, how the conversion often takes place between the impact of one spouse on another, mm-hmm. especially in Corinthians, he talks about this. Yeah, it's, that's awesome. Thank you guys for sharing this because it makes me think about, uh, I think I, I told you, told you guys that last year, I think I met just barely over 300 couples. Wow. Um, and so what happens is you, one begins to see patterns in things. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we see is there's different ways that people meet, the different ways they date. And a lot of people now, they will meet online, mm-hmm. yeah. like these dating sites, which, I mean, I'm not opposed to personally. I just think, I always tell them, I said, there's, there's no substitute for human interaction. Mm-hmm. And I think what can mm-hmm. happen with this is that people, uh, they begin to hide because it requires vulnerability mm-hmm. to be able to be to 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 have a human interaction to open your heart with people mm-hmm. and people like well father that's easy for you to say you're celibate <clears throat> yeah but i have dated mm-hmm. before i went in the seminary and so i i'm you know i i'm not living in an ivory tower in that sense on the other hand uh it there's a certain vulnerability that's got to take place and we want to make sure that we don't uh, we don't use loneliness as mm-hmm. a catalyst mm-hmm. to date mm-hmm. because when people use loneliness as a catalyst to date, what tends to happen, in my opinion, is they have rose-colored glasses. So yep. it can be a, a, a train wreck of a person, right? I mean, in other words, God still loves them, but they have horrible habits but we don't see it because we're lonely mm-hmm. in other words the person the person we're dating is not actually a good fit they're actually a life raft mm-hmm. to hold us up and um and i'll be honest i've had people get up and walk out of my office because i'm frank about mm-hmm. that which i consider a success because mm-hmm. i don't want them to go into marriage for the wrong reason yeah. nor am i the Agreed. the oracle of good marriages i don't claim to be mm-hmm. i'm just trying to share with them what the church teaches what the bible teaches and what i've seen effective and ineffective mm-hmm. and so yeah. we w- we always want to go date for the right reasons yeah. mm-hmm. i think not long ago father we talked we, we sat down and talked about um you know the the youth and the young adults and, and the whole 
social media meeting and meeting on Snapchat and Instagram. Mm -hmm. Oh, he DM'd me and all of that. And it's such a scary, scary world. Mm -hmm. Like you said, not opposed to it. I'm sure there's people out there that it's been successful for. But we have seen also how bad it can be. And um, as an older sister to a much, much younger sister, um, it was those conversations that I sat down and talked to her. And I, I believe I picked your brain a little bit and on what other people were going through. Um, it is so important to meet that face to face and have that. You know, this guy can tell you or this girl can can just seem perfect over the phone. Mm-hmm online on facetime or wherever and then but once you have that person-to-person interaction it could be a completely different Mm -hmm. person Mm -hmm. and by then you are committed you are way in is it too late it's now i'm kind of in love but i don't know if i like it i guess i'll just settle Mm -hmm. because i think i'm in love i don't know i mean it's great to meet people um if you don't have another form of meeting them but once you have that meeting hey I'm gonna, I mm-hmm. want to meet face to face before any mm-hmm. other feelings or anything. Um, it's scary. And I remember how hard it was um, for my sister and her friends to just say, there's really, you know, I don't know if Memphis is a city where I actually want to go out and meet people. I don't know if it's safe. So I'll just stick to Snapchat. And I'm like, that's more dangerous, sweetie. Mm-hmm. Go out. Very much so. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. So mm-hmm. thankfully, she's in a great relationship now, but it's still a scary world, and yeah. it's only gonna get scarier. Mm-hmm. Um, don't close off to them completely, but always be on a defense mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. I mean, and that includes for couples that are older. I mean, it's often yeah. that one will say 20, 25 years in that maybe they get a divorce or somebody dies Mm -hmm. and here we are we're in our mid 50s on the dating scene again Mm -hmm. and um and so we're trying to kind of as they would say put yourself out there Mm -hmm. and which i never understood what that meant but then again i'm a (laughs) celibate man so go figure and so on the other hand i would say it's it it really is uh, you guys have probably heard me say this before but it it Whenever I'm with, I think it's actually harder for older couples. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, it's easier because they've learned some life lefts, lessons. Mm-hmm. They tend to be more financially stable. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand, it's more challenging because they often have children from a previous marriage. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they tend to be set in their ways. Mm-hmm. And so for younger couples, in the sense they may lack the, uh, the life experience, it may, it may lack the financial security, they're, they tend to be much, much more adaptable mm-hmm. to adapting to a certain situation. For instance, if my spouse gets transferred or I go or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it, I think sense. sometimes mm-hmm. it, it can be a challenge for the older couples because, um, again, a lot of times uh, they, the loneliness can blind the optic, mm-hmm. so to speak. So we're always trying to clarify things. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've got a 15-year-old son, so I'm and a 13-year-old <laughs> son, so I'm just not getting glimpses into this, and it frightens Welcome, me. Kira. Ugh, it Welcome, Kira. It frightens me. <laughs> we do I have thought, tequila in the in oh, the if you gosh. need it. Yeah. Oh, uh-huh. just, oh my 
goodness. And it, yeah, it's a scary place to be. I was like, I'm not ready for this. I'm not. And I have done studies on theology of the body and I've done, you know, dating and all of that. I'm not ready for this. Mm-hmm. But, um, but you know, that's, that is kind of one thing we're talking about the loneliness, you know, and, and even teens or young adults could put base their worth on, mm. am I dating or not? Yeah. Am I single? And a lot of adults could do that. Uh, where they associate their identity and their worth on so the person that mm-hmm. they're that they're dating, and mm-hmm. we can't do that. And I had to try to, you know, I had to remind my son and his <laughs> friends. It's like a one big frat house at my place, you know. Just like guys, yeah, y'all don't really need to be dating right now. Like you're 15. Just are you ready for marriage? And they're like, no. One like yeah I am I'm like whatever you know it's just it's that's the whole point of dating is is to discern are you is God calling you to marriage and just having to tell my son that you know just be open to all vocations and what God is calling you to yeah um but you know you don't just because you're a certain age doesn't mean you have to be dating exactly somebody that your worth and your identity is not on that but is on doing God's will mm-hmm. and, and, you know, talk to God now mm-hmm. and ask God to, you mm-hmm. know, okay, Lord, what's your will for me in my life? Start asking him that live your life. Yes. Do all of that, but make sure you're mm-hmm. always asking him those questions. What do you want for me? And, you know, and he'll show you, but mm-hmm. don't think you have to be doing something. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and this way. is not a leading question. Um, so, cause I honestly want to get your insight, mm-hmm. you guys mm-hmm. insights. Um, do you think it's harder for younger women than it is for younger men? Because um, what I mean when I say that is like if a guy is not dating, they just say, oh, he's keeping his options open, right? Mm-hmm. When I'm, ta- I'm talking someone, let's say somebody who's 23. Um, oh, yeah, I'm just keeping my option, uh, options open. I'm just kind of surveying the scene. But often for younger women, they've been bridesmaids mm-hmm. at their friend's wedding um, they know they have a limited time for children, but mm-hmm. they often want to get out of school. Mm-hmm. So in other words, like, um, but if, if, if uh, often I think for younger women, um, they don't, if they date multiple guys, people kind of look at them like, mm-hmm. you know, like they're sleeping around or something. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, that's as, as a man, I think there's a bit of a double standard there. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least from the societal perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's hard for both. I mean, I've, I've seen situations where um, I guess now because us ladies are more empowered, um, sometimes the guys are like afraid to come up to the women yeah, and ask yeah. them out because yeah. the girl might say no. So I feel like it's getting harder to guy, for guys to approach women because women are self-sufficient women they they might be scared that they they might reject them now again some guys are not afraid of rejection but some guys are Mm -hmm. so i think it's i think it can be both and same some women um they it's not that they they're they know their worth or um i'm too much i this guy is such a you know it's, it's he's not enough for me or whatever but i feel like women um are having higher standards as well. So they're picky. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not speaking for all women, um, but I'm saying it is, it's getting harder, I think, for both in different ways. But um, I, I think that guys is not just because they have, they want to keep their options open. Open. I think it's, it's 
getting harder for guys mm-hmm. to approach women, if that makes any sense. It does. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's the something called the dating project, which was a sociology, um, you know, what's the word? Not, I don't want to say experiment, but, mm-hmm. you know, study that they did on college students. And they would rather hook up rather than the guys would mm-hmm. rather hook up with a girl rather than ask her out on a date because mm-hmm. of the fear of rejection. Yeah. And because of the fear of dating and being rejected. Um, and it, it went both ways, too. That, you know, kind of in the moment, they just rather live in the moment because they know in that moment they are not going to be rejected and they're not going to be denied. Um, but the fear of rejection was kind of the leading mm-hmm. thing in that study yeah. for, so. for both sides, which has kind of led to this kind of hookup culture. But also, too, I think we see our social media doesn't help with that because everything's everything's about likes and loves and mm-hmm. sharing and and all of that that we we don't sometimes we're trying to guard ourselves and protect ourselves from being uh, rejected but in doing that we we don't love properly mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. love requires vulnerability um, and yeah. so so I think there's there's all that going on I would say too I think it with regards to worth. Um, I do think it is sometimes harder for women, and I would probably say because we tend to be a little more people-oriented, um, that it is it is mm-hmm. yeah. it might affect us in a in a deeper way because we are we tend mm-hmm. to be more people-oriented. Um, yeah. Well said, Father. I have a question for you. Um, is that telling us anything? Do we as ladies need to? bring it down a notch so that guys that we are approachable and guys can actually, I mean, if we really want a good guy, mm-hmm. um, do we, what, cause I mean, that makes so much sense to me. And this guy's having this fear of rejection. Um, guys need to step up and not be afraid, but what can we do as women if we want to be more approachable? Yeah. I mean, that's, now it's an excellent question. Two things immediately come to mind. Uh, n- number one, uh, St. Edith Stein, who died at Auschwitz, Jewish convert, she, she had a phrase that she called hyperfemininity. Hyperfemininity. She said one of women, women can often be uh, their own worst enemy. In mm-hmm. other words, women tend to compare themselves often to other women. They tend to be kind of backbiting mm-hmm. and uh, based largely on insecurity. And this is not coming from me. This is St. Edith Stein. And I have to say that uh, I would concur in my own opinion with mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. And we say, of course, we see that on both sides. But I think uh, a lot of times women can work against women rather than working with women. Mm-hmm. So number one, in other words, not being threatened by someone else's good looks, intellect, popularity, likes, whatever it is. Praise God. Good for them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, number two is that <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a balance, right? Because on the one hand, there, we want high standards. I want a guy who has chivalry. I want a guy that has an intellect. I want a guy, yes, there, I'm not shy about saying, I want a guy with at least some base level of good looks. Okay, those are, these are good things, okay? Um, on the other hand, um, if we wait for someone who's perfect, will be waiting forever. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit of a balance. I mean, if as a priest, if I waited until I was ready to be a priest, I still wouldn't be a priest. Mm-hmm. So we have to, we take people where they are. Will this person be humble enough to change and grow? Um, can I see this person as a great mother and a good father? Um, 
do I see that in them? Do they have addictive tendencies? Mm. Um, how do they treat the waiter? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how do they work with children? Um, do they pray? Are they even open to that? I mean, these are the kind of basic points that again, the if the optic is not clarified, people just overlook because they're lonely. And again, I'm not throwing anybody under the bus. We've all been lonely. Mm-hmm. But what can happen is it's, it, can, um, it can cloud right judgment. Mm-hmm. So um, now these are, these are good questions. So we pray, if you're listening and you're dating, we're praying for you guys. By the way, if you were listening and you're dating, just know celibacy is a good option, just saying. <laughs> it is. All right? It's also a great yeah, option. Yeah, it's a good life. Say, hey, don't forget to put soul in your food and give food to your soul. God bless you.